as we think and talk about true joy. Oftentimes, we're, I think our idea of joy is clouded because of an American understanding of joy or a cultural understanding of joy, which is oftentimes linked to happiness. And that's just not the case. Not when we talk about biblical joy anyway. That's not what the Bible talks about when it talks about joy. The Bible, when it speaks of joy, actually is talking about something much deeper than that. It's actually talking about something that's, that's up underneath every emotion that you have. Joy is, is different from giddiness than smiling and I think it does involve that sometimes. But what I mean is this. Happiness cannot be found in despair. They're opposite of one another. But joy can be. Joy is the thing that will carry you through despair. Joy is the thing that will carry you through pain. Joy is the thing that never goes away if you've found true joy that will hold you up and it will be the foundation of your happiness and your pain. For your eagerness and enthusiasm and, and encouragement and your heartbreak and your failures. As we get into this thing called joy and as we study the scriptures, I want you to start to think about joy in those terms. And what I will share with you today from the scriptures, hopefully, will be very uplifting. It'll be very encouraging. And it should be very eye-opening to give us hope that maybe we've never had before. And as I look around the auditorium, I see a lot of people who are hurting, a lot of people who are, who are going through things right now that you can't, you can't understand. You can't, you can't fathom why God would allow these things in your life, and you're wondering, God, where are you at? Where, where is my joy in this? Where is, where is, where's my happiness? Where's my gladness? Where's my peace? Where's that thing that's going to hold me up? And I want to tell you, it's there. It's just whether or not you recognize it. And so today, I think that we're going to be uplifted, and we're going to be encouraged and empowered by the sermon today, because God will tell us that you have nothing to fear as long as you have Jesus Christ. Let's pray and ask God to bless the service. Lord Jesus, I lift up every ear that's under the sound of my voice, including my own two ears. God, I lift up every heart and every soul that's in this auditorium, including my own, that you would come and tear down walls that we have built, that you would show us your glory and that we would stand in awe and that it would change everything. God, that you would would wholeheartedly overwhelm us with your joy so that we might understand what joy is. God, I pray a special prayer for the word of God going out today that it would take our hearts and it would ravage them with a ferocious love. God, please be with us today. I pray practically that we would pay attention, that our hearts would be open to hear and our minds would be clear to understand your word and to, and to put it into place in our hearts so that we may leave here more encouraged and stronger than when we came in. 
that we might continually be more apt to share the kingdom and to share your joy and to pour into those around us. Jesus, I pray it in the most powerful name that I know, and that's your name, the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Today we're going to be in John chapter 15. I'm going to read verses 1 through 11, but we're going to concentrate on verses 8 through 11. John chapter 15, if you'll go ahead and turn there with me in your Bibles. Today, as we study joy in the scriptures, and as we think about these things, I want you to kind of look at a theme that goes throughout. One is, is that joy, joy is not something that just floats around. Joy is not something that it's here one second and gone the next. Joy doesn't even belong to you. That joy belongs to God, and he gives it to the degree that we will accept it. And our accepting it is contingent on our obedience to him. That might sound a little complicated, but let's break it down. Bottom line is this. Joy belongs to God. And he'll give it freely. The way that we will receive that joy is based a lot on how we obey him. You sin, not much joy. You obey Walk with him, tons of joy. This is not hard, is it? That's not very complicated at all. You dive into a life of sin and openly sin. It doesn't matter if it's me, the preacher, and the pastor. It doesn't matter if it's you out there. I'm no different than you. If I live a life of sin and I fall into sin, if you live a life of sin and you go there and you rest there and you walk there and you talk there and you, and you live there, then your life will be eat up and there will, will not be much joy to be found. And you will continue to eat yourself alive because of where you're living. But if you will, as Paul said, Paul says, I continually, I, I beat my body and I make it my slave. So that I, not, I don't lose the own gospel that I'm preaching. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, then, you see, it's contingent. You, you think that... And I say you, we think that we can just live however we want. And everything's cool because God is love. God is love. But God is also a bad mamma jamma who's got a mean right hook. Amen? And he don't, he, you know, homie don't play that. And I do believe that you can be a Christian. You can know God and you can be part of the family and live without experiencing that joy because discipline is rough it doesn't change the fact that God loves you get into the scriptures and let's see what God has to say to us we're looking at John chapter 15 starting in verse 1 listen to these uh, words of God I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser every branch in me that does not bear fruit he takes away and every branch that does bear fruit he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. Do you see that? And we're not going to spend a lot of time there, but I just want you to see that. Do you see what it just said? It said, abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot 
It didn't say it's going to be rough. It didn't say that you're going to have to really try hard. It didn't say that if you're, it, 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 you know, if you're really good at what you do, then maybe a sprig can pop out. No, it's all-encompassing. It says it cannot bear fruit. It cannot bear fruit. Some of us are simply not abiding in Christ at all. We come here and we play games. We, we say one thing, but then we go out there and we're not in Jesus. Our position is not in Jesus. We don't remain close to him and in him and involved in him. And we wonder, why do I have no joy? And we'll get into this a little bit more, but when it says you bear much fruit, this whole idea of, of bearing fruit and, and vines and, and branches and trees and trunks and roots, it's, it's all a theme throughout Scripture. And if you remember in Galatians chapter 5, and we'll get a little deeper, it says that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, and so on. Does that make sense? So how many times do we say, I don't have any fruit, basically, is what we're saying. We're saying, I don't have any love. Where's all the love? I don't have any joy. I don't, why, don't, why do I not have any peace? Why do I not have any self-control? Why do I not? Why do I not? Why do I not? And we go to John chapter 15, and it says, well, the first place we should check is to see if we're abiding are we, are we connected to the vine? You can't expect to produce fruit if you're not connected to the vine. What happens to a branch when you cut it off and throw it on the ground? It dies. Does it dry up? Do you see big delicious grapes popping off of it? This is not hard. Not hard. Abide in the branch and then it's, it's harder to break you, right? If the tree's really green and healthy, you can take that limb and twist it all around, and it's very residual. It doesn't break very easy. But if you take it off that tree, it dries out, snaps. Can't, can't hold up to the pressure. Are you holding up to the pressure in your life? Do you have joy? Do you have peace? Do you have patience? Man, I'm stepping on my own toes. I struggle with patience. Especially with Ezekiel. And I want y'all to know, I love him. I know I talk a lot of the times about how rough he is, but I love that boy. I do. I love him. And I don't know if it's because I see myself in him. And if that's the case, my mind, I'm so, so sorry. I, I mean, I, I ask your forgiveness and, you know, pray that you would give it. I understand if you want. Let's continue on in the Scripture. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself. Man, I need to hear that. We might just stay on that one. Because we got to stay in him. We got to stay close. We have to stay in the word. We're going to talk a little bit more about this. Let me just move on. It cannot bear fruit if it's not in the vine. Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. You see the contrast? A lot of us just, you, you stay in Jesus, you're in the word of God, meditating. How many of us meditate on the word of God? And I'm not saying you have to cross your legs. Oh. That's not what I'm talking about, but how many of us, how many of us get a verse and, and write it down on an index card? Or we memorize a verse and we're just meditating on that over and over and over and over again. Memorizing the scriptures, hiding them in our hearts. 
And that is like fertilizer, baby. You're like, oh, I'm feeling good today. The Word of God is, is wonderful, powerful, empowering. The more Word of God out in your heart, fruit's just popping out all over you. You're like ripped up. You know, an apple a day keeps the doctor away. I'm telling you, you want to have much fruit, take the Word of God and hide it down into your heart. Read it often. Read more Bible than you watch TV. That just punched me right in the face. I don't do that most of the time. I watch way too much TV. Pray for me. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Now pay attention here. This is where we're really going. By this, my Father is glorified. I'm going to show you a little bit today how I study and how I break down scriptures. So maybe it'll help you as you study and break down scriptures. But as soon as I start to read this, I'm thinking, I don't know what you started thinking, but it says, by this, my Father is glorified. What I'm thinking is, what is the this? What is the this? What is, how is God glorified? We should be thinking every day, how can I glorify God today? This is my, I don't know, I posted on Facebook. If, if y'all aren't friends with me on Facebook, I'd like to see what you post. Some of you, I ain't, ain't friending you. You don't see what I, what I post on Facebook. But I put something on there the other day that I'd heard from a, a, a pastor, a preacher called Sinclair Ferguson that was amazing to me. He said pastors oftentimes, and Christians in general, but pastors are uh, a little bit worse about it. They run around looking like they do a thousand things a day and running around crazy. While we should be doing one thing every day in a thousand different ways. That is glorifying God. Let me ask you a question today. Is your primary objective in life to glorify God? Is your primary objective in life to glorify your God, your Father in heaven? Is it? honest to goodness is it does everything you do bank off of that do you look at every situation and every instance in your life and say how will this glorify God how can I use this situation what words can come out of my mouth as I speak to this person that they might see Jesus how is this going to impact the kingdom how is this discipline of my child going to reflect Jesus Christ how is this Remark to my wife going to show the love of Christ to her. How is this action going to build up this person to the Lord Jesus Christ? Does your life glorify God? Are you even concerned about it? I, I venture to say that a lot of us come to church, we praise God, we do our thing, and we go, and we don't even hardly think about Jesus throughout the week till we come back and do it again on Sunday. I pray that's not the case. But I want you to ask yourself, is that the case? Does the stuff you put on Facebook glorify God? Does the stuff that you post on other people's Facebook glorify God? Do you tweet God-glorifying things? Or is your tank empty and you don't have nothing to say? By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. There's the this. How is God glorified? That we bear much fruit. And so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. Abide in my love. Stay right here in my love. Don't go anywhere else. Don't go outside of this because it's dangerous for you. You're going to die out there. You're going to wither up. You're going to get dry. You're going to get crushed. Because you don't have me to hold you together. 
Don't go out there. It's dangerous. Don't run into the road. It's dangerous. Don't go into that alley. It's dangerous. Don't go out there. It's dangerous. I have the place here for you. I have the power. I have the strength to provide for you and love you and carry you. But if you go out there, you're on your own. Abide in my love, he says. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. You say, what does that look like? There it is. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. That your joy may be full. He said, I'm, I'm telling you this stuff because I want you to be filled up full with fruit, to be amazingly overwhelmed with joy and peace and comfort and patience and self-control. I want you to be good men. No, I want you to be great men who can look at their sons and say, son, follow me. How many of us have looked at our sons and say, son, don't do as I do, do as I say. No. We say no. That's the coward's way out. You say, do as I do, as I do what Christ does. And we will fall and we will blunder and we will trip, but they will learn from us by how we get up how we continue to follow Jesus joy is a wonderful thing joy is that thing that that holds us together through the thick and the thin we are rooted in it if we know Christ and nothing can rattle us off of that joy because it belongs to him I want to show you two things. I only have two points today. I want to show you two things about joy that if you will implant these or pray to God that he would implant them into your heart and that you would take advantage of these things, your life would transform and you would be amazed at how fulfilled your life can be. I know many of us are struggling right now. And a lot of it is because of our own sin. A lot of it is because of our own sin. And we've walked away from Jesus Christ. And I'm not saying that you wanted to walk away from Jesus. Please don't hear me saying that. Because I know that there's been times when, when I want to do the right thing. And I want to get into the Word. And I, wanna, I don't want to commit that sin. I don't want to fall into that temptation. I don't want to go in that direction. But it's just, it's pulling me. And, and it's drawing me. And I'm praying, God, please. But my flesh was weak. My mind was willing. My spirit was willing. My flesh was weak. And I fall into that sin. That's going to happen. Until Jesus Christ appears in his glory and removes all sin from us, we will continue to struggle with it. But as we press into him and as we abide in him, sin loses its power over us and its grip is loosened so that we are more free to be like Jesus Christ. I'm telling you today that there is hope for you. I'm telling you today that you can be joyous. I'm telling you today that you can bear fruit. I'm telling you today that you can glorify the King of Kings and you can be used in his kingdom to glorify him and to build it up and to move forward against the gates of hell. You know, what I'm telling you today is not that, that God wants to forgive you and, and make you even with the house. Sure, he'll forgive your sins. I'm talking about beyond that. 
I'm talking about God turning you into a warrior for his kingdom. And, and, and turning you into someone that others would look at as an example of what it means to be fulfilled. Doesn't that sound good? How many of us struggle and just, just don't want to struggle anymore? What if I said, not only do you not have to struggle anymore, but you could be empowered to be an example to those around you through the power of Jesus Christ? What do you think about that? That sound good? Let's look at the scriptures. Our first point is our joy is his desire. Our joy is his desire. You see, many of us think, and a lot of times those outside the church, they assume that God is wanting to put pressure on us. He is wanting us to conform, and, and he is wanting to, 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 to make us stop having fun and, and to make us to, to, to just take away all joy out of our life. But this is simply not the case. His joy, our joy is his desire. And you've got to see that in these scriptures. Listen to what it says. It says, by this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. He says, by this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit. In Galatians chapter 5, it says, the, the, the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, and several other things. You see, it is his desire that you bear the fruit of joy. It is his desire that you are carried along by his glory. He is not after you looking to take away anything from you, but he is, he is wanting to fill you up full. God is not against you. Some of you have received the lie of the devil that God hates you and he is, has no forgiveness for you and he is just punishing you. But he is not. He desires your joy. Do you believe that? He desires your joy. It is his glory. It is his, his weightiness. As you experience joy, he is glorified. As you experience joy, he is exalted. As you experience joy, he is uplifted and magnified. Don't you understand that a lot of the kingdom and the progress of the kingdom is built on how you are experiencing joy in God. It is the proof that you know him. He says, and so prove to be my disciples. What he's saying is, if you don't have joy, you need to check and see whether or not you even know me. Because that's not my character. God wants to love you and build you up and to pour into you. If you are defeated, then you need to check in the mirror and examine yourself to, to see whether or not you be in the faith. And remember, joy is not this bouncy, happy feeling. But it is something that you can hold on to in the darkest of times. And a matter of fact, a lot of the times, the darkest times reveal our joy the best. Do you fall apart? Are you withered? I just... I want you to ask yourself right now, in your mind, self, am I feeling dry today? Am I feeling dry today? Because if we're abiding in Him, we are wonder, wonderfully, wonderfully fulfilled. Deep down, one of the one of the examples of this and. I, you know, go back to my man Z. He's a wealth of examples. I want you to think about this for a second. 
why would the King of Kings, why would God Almighty want you to be pressed down? And, and why would He want you to be overwhelmed beyond, beyond holding together? Or why would He want to tear you apart? It, it doesn't glorify Him. When you fall apart and you fall to pieces, He's not glorified in that. Because it's... It's as if his work is not doing what it should be doing. You see, God owns joy. And you as his child should, should be fulfilled in that joy. And as you walk beside him and as you interact with him, that joy should show itself as you are persecuted or as you are blessed even. It should show. And when it doesn't, God's not glorified. There's another scripture that says, Do not be ashamed of me, for if you are ashamed of me, I will be ashamed of you. But whoever proclaims my name among men, I will proclaim his name to the Father. Do you, do you, see, do you see that hint of, if you're proud of me, I'll be proud of you, but if you're embarrassed of me, I'll be embarrassed of you. The other night we were at Side Street and we were with a group of friends, um, and they had their kids, and I had my kids, and all the kids are just wonderful, playing on their little iPads and sharing each other's drinks and eating their food. And Z is sitting across the table from me, and man, he's in a bad mood. And I'm thinking, God, please, don't let this kid embarrass me. And I'm like, see? And I'm trying to be so sweet, you know, because I know he's borderline crazy. <laughs> and I'm not even kidding. And so I'm like, see, buddy, daddy loves you. Would you like some pizza? And this is no kidding what he does. If you were there, I wish I'd have took a picture. He goes, <laughs> I'm not even making that up. And the guy beside me, I got two guys beside me. They both have kids there. And their kids are acting fine, not making a word. And I'm, I went, as soon as he did that to me, I, went, I looked at them beside me, I went. <laughs> and I'm like, man. And one of them's like, I think you might want to play a game. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. You see, in that moment, I was like, see, because he was acting like, he was acting like we don't have the relationship that we do. See, when, when it's just me and him, I'm telling you, that kid's a different kid. When he's with me and it's me and him, and, and it's almost a reflection of these scriptures because when the distractions of everything else is not around and it's just me and him, I'm telling you, he crawls up in my lap and he tells me without being provoked, I love you, I love you this much. He really does. He'll tell me, I love you to the moon and back. I said, I love you too, without being provoked. He'll come and jump up in my lap, and he'll love on me, and, and he'll hug me, and he'll squeeze my neck as hard as he can. And you know what he tells me? Because I don't want to show just the bad side of him. He'll tell me, he'll say, Daddy, you the best. He really does say that. He really does. But man, you get somebody else around, he's like, what you looking at, for? It's almost, you, you see what I'm saying? And, and in that moment, when he acted like he didn't know me, when he acted like 
that, that, that he didn't love me almost. When he looked at me and he growled at me, and, and it was embarrassing, but it was more than embarrassing. It was like, that's a, you know, that's a disregard of my love for you. You're not about it. We're not, man, we're tighter than that. Don't do that to me. You see that? Now, he's three. But you are a lot like that three-year-old or that infant. God keeps wiping your tail, but you keep doing it in your diaper. You see what I'm saying? God is glorified in our joy. He, he doesn't want you to fall apart. He wants you to reflect Him. He wants, you see, He never falls apart. He's never overwhelmed. Nobody ever talks junk and gets away with it. He never, ever, ever loses. He's never knocked down. He's never overwhelmed. He never, ever, ever fails. And as we find our joy in Him and become one with Him, don't you understand that if you are a branch on the vine that you're not distinct from the plant? You have the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Hallelujah. You have the same power that overcame the grave. You have the same power that killed sin and killed death and cut its own head off with its own sword. That's the power you have because you're a part of the plant. Don't be overwhelmed because you don't look like your daddy and you don't glorify him. Now all that's easy to say, right? But the truth is often hard to see in a world of sin and pain. And I'm going to read this scripture. I thought we were going to get out quicker because I only had two points. Look at 1 Peter, and uh, I don't know, they might not throw this up there, but I'm just going to read it to you. 1 Peter 6 through 9. Listen to these scriptures. I know this is often hard to take in. It's often hard to live this way because the world is just continually coming at us. Listen to what 1 Peter chapter, uh, chapter 1, verses 6 through 9 say. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. They're here, right? Some of us are going through trials right now. But listen to what God says about your trials. That was pretty quick, guys. I'm impressed. So that, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by the fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Listen to this. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining to the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. You see, sometimes it's hard to see because this world is so dirty and so rough and so vicious that you're looking around, you're going, where's the joy? Where's the, where is it? But what he's saying is, don't lose sight of me. Don't let all of this stuff make you think bad of me. I am for you and I am not against you. I am looking to build you up and everything that I do in your life, whether it be discipline or allowing storms to come, is to help you to get through this life in me, built up with a glory that does not perish, joy that is deep-seated, that cannot be overwhelmed. I am looking to build you up. Trust me. You know, sometimes we don't understand the things that come our way. 
We don't understand the discipline. We don't understand what God is doing, but it is always for our benefit and for our joy and that we might be able to bear much fruit. The other day I was um, changing Asher's diaper. And if that's not a picture of what God does all the time, I don't know what is. He just keeps making messes and I keep cleaning them up. And that kid's got the, he's got some major PSI. I'm talking about blowouts up to his neck. I'm like, how is this happening? I'm going to stuff a tissue right down in the back of his diaper, right at the top, so it can't shoot out the top. Well, the other day I had him on his changing table, table and he's a happy baby. You know, he just, and I mean just a pile of rubbish. And I'm going, oh, how did you even do that? You know, I mean, it's not like a little bit. It's like, boom, boom. And I'm looking, and I go to change him, and I, and I undo the diaper. You know how sometimes you think, oh, this is a wet diaper. And you undo it, and you're like, oh, help. <laughs> well, I went, and I took the diaper down, and, oh, the, the worst thing happened. You know, it was like all the way up the front, like up to his waist. And he's like, ah, hand going down there. And he's eight months old, and I'm like, no, 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 no. And he's like, ah. Well, this was for his benefit. I knew he was going to grab a big pile and just, ah. I knew it was going to happen. And so I didn't yell at him because I was trying to be mean. I didn't even mean to yell. I was like, don't know. But he didn't get it. He didn't understand because his thoughts are not my thoughts. His ways are not my ways. You see, I'm much more wise than he is, much like God is to us. And oftentimes God is saying, no! And we're like, ah! But all he's trying to do is keep you from getting crap on your face. Should I not have said that? <laughs> My bad, baby, don't look at her. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, I will hear about that later. But, but it's true. You know, you don't want to have boop boop on your face. You know, you don't want it on your face. You get all in your mouth. It's nasty. It's the same thing. You know, oftentimes we're playing in the, playing in the gutters or the alley with, a, with mud pies thinking they're wonderful when there's a feast on the beach. Just right around the corner. Right around the corner. God's going, over here we've walked away and we wonder why we don't experience the joy I'm not out of point one but as but as God is just leading you know I think a lot of people I think I think a lot of people need that in here we start beating ourselves up and we start wondering and I'm not going to be a whole lot longer, but there's a few things I want you to see because I think we need it. Look at what he says there. Start back in verse 8. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. You see, he loves us like the Father loved him. And, and how did the Father love him? How did the Father love him? With a perfect love. With a love that that was, was wonderful from the very beginning. It, 
it, it, was, it was perfect. And so he has loved you. Greater, he'll go on to say, and I have a lot of stuff here, but he'll go on to say, greater love, uh, there is no greater love than this. Greater love uh, is, uh, has no one known. Greater love is, cannot be found. The greatest love that you could possibly imagine is that, a, that, that someone lay down his life for his friends, that, that you would sacrifice yourself, that you would give yourself up. There's no greater love. He goes on, he says, abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. I won't spend a whole lot of time here, but just to touch on it again. Please don't think. You see, a lot of the times in a church like this, you see, I, I have a huge problem with legalism. I do. And a lot of the time I will go ahead and confess that a lot of the, my passion is against legalism and religiosity and, and religion and better wear your suit and better do this and better talk like this and better do that and better do this and better do that and better do this. And, 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 and religion and, and legalism tend to make Christianity into a set of rules that if you obey, then God will love you. Well, I, I absolutely, wholeheartedly, ferociously disagree with that and I'm fighting against it. But the lives that we live are indications of how we know him. The lives that we live and the things that we do indicate whether or not we've come to know him. You see, we don't do things. We don't, we don't obey so that we can receive love from God. We obey because we have received love from God. Do you see that difference? His love has overwhelmed us to a degree that it changes our lives. You cannot experience true salvation without experiencing true change. I'm not telling you to live and, and, and obey the commandments of God so that you can get God's love. I'm telling you to get God's love. I'm telling you to love Him. I'm telling you to become part of the family so that you will be able to obey His commandments and to live according to His law. You see the difference? Do you see the difference? Do you see the difference? I'm telling you this. I'm not going to come along with a baseball bat saying, well, you're sinning. God desires a relationship with you that would bring about these fruits. If we move on, it says, our number two point is, our joy is his joy. You see, you, you have an opportunity to receive the joy that God has. It's his joy. It's not yours. You think joy belongs to you. You can't shake your fist at God and say, give me my joy. No. We get on our face and we say, let me experience you, God. Let me experience your glory. Let me experience your awe and your wonder and your righteousness that I might be able to have some of your joy. And that can be cultivated. And a lot of you are like, I want that, I want that, I want that, I want that. How? Again, get in the Word of God. Cultivate God's joy. Fertilize water. Position yourself under the waterfall of the Holy Spirit that you might receive. How, how many minutes a day, how many hours a day do you spend in the Word of God? These are very practical questions. Do not think that you will be close to God and know Him and be rooted in Him without ever reading the Bible. It's not going to happen. I'm going to tell you. True for me, true for you. True for me, true for you. You want to experience Jesus Christ? Go home and read your Bible. 
It is God's invitation to know Jesus. You want to experience Christ? Meditate on the Word of God. You want to experience Christ? Be His hands and feet. Read the Word of God and obey the Word of God. And these things work inside of you to build up these fruits and they start coming out. You'll have patience. You'll have joy. You'll have peace. You'll have all these wonderful things. You see, it's the fruit of the Spirit. It's not the fruit of you or me. It belongs to God. I'm going to move on a little bit down to the end and as the band is getting ready and they're going to start playing. A couple of points under this is that the fact that joy belongs to God should, oh man, it should overwhelm us. Because as we have said many, many, many times in here, God never loses. God never fails. God never falls. God never falters. God never says, uh-oh. God never says, oh no. God cannot be defeated. And if you are taken off of the vine, it's because He has taken you off of the vine, not anyone else. As we all stand to our feet and as the lights come down, I want you to think about this. Because the world will lie to you just like it lies to me. It will say to you, now listen to my voice. Listen to my voice. It will say to you, I know where some joy is. Would you like to go get it? I've heard this lie recently. It will say to you, I know where some joy is. Would you like to go get it? And it will entice you. And it will whisper to you. And it will draw to you. And it will call to you and say, joy is here. Would you like to have it? And as we go and we, we try this false joy, we're built up for a second. But when we come crashing down, we wonder what's going on. And the true joy was never there. You see, true, true joy belongs to God. And if you will abide in Him so that He is abiding in you, and if you are experiencing His joy, no one can take it from you. No one can take that joy because it does not belong to anybody but God. And He is fearless. Some of you need that joy today. I need that joy today. I need to be rooted in this joy, and I need to know, wouldn't you like to know, that no one can take this joy from you. No one can take it away. No one can steal it. See, Satan comes to lie, steal, cheat, rob, and destroy, and do all of these things. But who is the only one that's defeated Satan? His name is Jesus. And I just wonder... How many of us have had our joy robbed, or you think you have? If you know Jesus Christ is right there for the taking. You see, the fact that Jesus Christ came and did what he did could show us that there's nothing he won't do for us. How many people have let you down lately? How many times have you let yourself down lately?
and you've lost your joy and it's been taken from you and you feel as if the world is completely crumbling down around you and there is no salvation no no tower that you can run to no shelter that you can go to to stop this rain there's no end to this pain and there's no light at the end of the tunnel all of that is just ideas that are somewhere out there what will set us free from this body of death therefore since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us looking to Jesus the founder and perfecter of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of God to the degree that you understand that you are his joy he will become your joy that will never end he will have his joy and he will not be denied God is coming after you like you've never been sought after before he is loving you and desiring you and providing for you and calling you and wooing you do you hear his voice he is saying I am your rest I am the truth I am the life no one can come to the Father but by me. I am the true vine. You are the branch. You cannot bear fruit or handle this without me. Wouldn't you come? Abide in my love and I will abide in you. I want to abide in you. I have come and I have been killed and I laid down my life so that I could have you. Would you come? Your joy is my joy. You are my joy. You are my reward. Would you come? I gave everything away so that I could have you. Would you come? Your joy was invaluable to me. And I went through hell on earth to get it. And I'd do it again in a second. Would you come? The world is lying to you. I'm telling the truth. Would you come? Your pain is overwhelming and it breaks my heart. Would you come? Would you stop receiving the lie? Would you come? I will not turn you away. He who seeks will find. He who knocks the door will be opened. And I will come in and eat with him and he with me. Would you come? I will not cast him out. Those who seek me will find me. Would you come? Jesus is the answer. There is no other. You've been looking for a long time. You found him once but lost sight. Would you come? Please, don't leave here today without this joy. Please don't leave here today without abiding in him. Some of you have thrown your joy away and shaken your fist at God like he took it. Would you come and repent because you have walked away and are not abiding in Him? Would you repent that you've not read your Bible in two weeks? Would you repent that you can't remember where it is 
Would you repent that you thought you could do it without Him? Would you repent because you don't even think about Him? Would you repent so that you might receive Him today? Or would you stand proud and say, I will not? Jesus still says, I will and I did. If you do not come and you do not receive, that is on you. He stands with arms opened wide. Now is your opportunity to come. I will be here repenting for I am a sinner. And I need God so bad in my life. None of us have arrived until Jesus Christ appears in the sky. We need to be on our face. Please come. Please come.